to Maritime AgCast, the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the Maritimes. We will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local, regional and national guests, as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events. Today, we will be joined by Ryan Karen of Karendale Cattle Company to discuss new sorghum grass that he's been growing this season, as well as some other initiatives that he has on his farm, uh, known as the South River Ranch. Ryan is the current owner of Karendale Cattle Company, Inc., with his partner, Caitlin Knox. He purchased the farm from his father three years ago and currently leases other surrounding farms. He is running a cow-calf to backgrounding operation, as well as some cash crops. Ryan is a fellow Aggie and graduated from the NSAC in 2009. Ryan, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Brad. Uh, absolutely. So tell us uh, a little bit about the South River Ranch and Carindale Cattle Company, how, what you do and why you do it. Well, we came back, I guess, three years ago, put a plan together. We had done some traveling around the world and we're in Australia there for a bit. And we came back and so we decided to take over um, one of the farms for most of the reason to give us some equity to borrow against and get kind of get a loan to to get with what we want to start with and some sort of farming in the maritimes so we initially when we bought the farm we also purchased um about an extra 100 head of cattle to go with the cows the dad already had so our first year we're kind of up to about 180 head and we're primarily just going from there just a strict cow calf uh operation and then um taking all of our grain crops that we had extra to sell, we just kind of we would just sell them just as straight cash crops, kind of give us a little bit more diverse risk. But the first couple of years that we had, uh, they were just kind of dry, so we'd end up kind of having to retool our plan. We kind of cut our cow herd down to maybe 150 and put more of a focus on backgrounding uh, the calves that we did have. It didn't take as much feed, and we got a little bit higher value out of them. And then we still sell our excess grain crops from there, and that's kind of. The transition as to what we want to go to maybe is just going straight to cow-calf to finish. Then we can utilize everything on our own farm into marketing a final product and then maybe sell some stuff locally. Excellent. So it sounds like you're a, a diversified farm. Um, let's talk a little bit about the cow herd. Um, you know, you say you have between 150, 180 head. Uh, what type of cattle are you running? Um, well, Dad had originally he had... Uh, his base herd is mostly black Angus, black Angus, maybe some Semmental mix there every third generation, just to give some more size and thickness, not get too one, one breed. And uh, so and then when we came back home, we ended up adding some Semmentals and some limousines. They were just, the only real reason was that we were out there looking for cattle and then they kind of came available and they were two quality herds. So we decided to buy them and add them to add them to our existing herds that we had and we also kind of had some semitals and some reds and white faces kicking around so for a good mother herd to add to our stuff so then so that's basically what we have now is just angus semitals and limousines and the last couple of years we've been adding a lot more limousine bulls to our to our cow herd because when we cross some onto the angus we we like to cross and then just seem to be just give us a little bit more size we don't really have like any one breed that we'll kind of stick with we kind of we want to have the grade if we're going to finish we want to have the grading ability of the angus and then with a little bit of a some sort of a continental influence and we just kind of like limousine because you know they're easy calving they got a fine bone and they give you kind of a the good profit cattle at the end of the day so you're farming over there in antigonish county um talk a little bit about the grain side and you've already talked a little bit about how it fits in with cattle but um, what are you growing for grains and, uh, you know, what proportion are you putting through your cattle versus selling 
either to local farms or on the, uh, the cash market? Traditionally, we've always grown uh, cereal, so mostly just wheat, barley, oats. Uh, the last couple of years, we started adding corn and soybeans to the mix. I think the first year we grew some soybeans and it just was a complete write-off. And then the price hasn't really been there the last number of years, so we kind of took them out of the rotation. So normally we just, uh, we grow, we keep enough. So if we're keeping our herd, we might keep like say 70, 80 ton, just to have more than enough, probably feed 60 ton into our cattle. Then anything over that we'll, we will sell. And we kind of know, like we kind of keep 70 to 80 ton and then we'll put the rest through our animals. Once we start feeding them, usually in like, you know, start end of October through to March. And uh, then at that point, when we start selling cattle, if we know that we have still have extra excess left over, then we'll take that and we'll also move that at that point, but just to make sure that we have enough. So the last couple of years, we didn't really have that much excess barley to sell, but we did sell, uh, we were still able to sell all our wheat and all our corn. So we like to keep mostly our barley for feeding on our own farm. And and then if we have a little bit extra, we'll sell it locally too for just a custom milled stuff. But so the last number of years has just mostly been, um, I'd say like this year, it looks like we'll have quite a bit to sell onto the cash market. So three quarters of our grain that comes off the field will be going into the cash market. So the last couple of years have been troubling or trying, I guess, for farmers here in Nova Scotia with uh, fairly dry conditions, very sporadic and isolated showers. So one of the things that I was excited to see when I had a chance to visit the ranch uh, earlier in August of 2020 is the fact that you're you're trying to grow some sorghum Sudan grass. How did that come about? Yeah, well, that started. We had some leftover wheat seed. The end of April, we had a field that we we're going to just throw this extra wheat seed into, just has some early grazing to give our perennial pastures uh, more time to build up. And uh, so we see the end of April came in and the weather was dry and good and the ground was fit. So we, we just rolled in and no-tilled in the wheat seed. And then, then, then we got three snowstorms and just a month of cold, wet rain and the stand just didn't materialize. It just didn't have a good start. It was wet. There was weeds that were kind of overtaking it. So then I started sourcing, um, I contacted uh, the Churro Agamart and I, I asked if I could get any sorghum sedan grass seed. And they said it would take a, maybe a week. I think that was on the 5th of June that I did that. And they said maybe five, 10 days. And so when I did that, I went out and then I sprayed out the field just with a typical burn down roundup 24D. And then by this time I walked in and we just gave a one pass with our tillage arrows. And then, and then we walked in and uh, we put, we seeded down the sorghum sedan grass seed and I think June 10th it was. Basically just because the other field didn't work up and then we said, well, this is kind of a good time just to try this since we didn't get the grazing out of it. And then I was originally looking at this point as using it as a, as a summer grazing. But uh, the year started since the end of May came, the year has been pretty good. We were getting lots of rain and we had lots of growth on our perennial pastures. And then we got to the point where we didn't really need it. We started looking to chop the feed and then putting it into our tower for stored winter feed, which so far has come out really nice. So Ryan, you said that you originally planted the sorghum for grazing through the summer, but it sounds like uh, you're going to use it for stored forage. So you know, what's the difference between cutting a, a sorghum grass versus a traditional uh, grass legume mix? Yeah, well, that's kind of the cool thing about um, the sorghum sedan grass compared to corn, because like you don't really need anything. You don't really need any specialized equipment. So if you're like a small cow-calf producer and you just have like a, and you just have a, just a hay bind and um and a round baler you can put this feed up that way you can't really make dry hay out of it the stems are too wet like they just will not dry down or not in this kind of climate or you wouldn't get 
a week with no rain or something like that if you try to get it dry down for dry hay. But if you're going to wrap it, put it up as baleage, chop it for silage, or do any of those sort of things, or just green chop it, that's what works really well for it. So when we took out, uh, we ended up chopping it and putting it up our tower. So we just ended up going out there this maybe two weeks ago now or two and a half weeks, and we mowed it. And it was about six, seven feet tall when we mowed it, so it was hard to even see it. But then we just mowed it, and then we still have a pole-type forage harvester and, and a tower silo. So then we ended up chopping it and putting up the tower that way, which it made like a really nice feed. It was almost like putting up corn silage, but it looked like a mixture between second cut and corn silage and just really nice feed and got a lot of tonnage off of a small acreage. So by harvesting it that way, well, let's talk about a couple of things. Let's talk about, first of all, the tonnage. You say you're happy with the quantity. Um, yep. but what's the quality like? Uh, you probably haven't a, a chance to test it yet. It's only been in the silo for a couple of weeks here, close to the end of August. But uh, what are you expecting for its overall feed value? Well, I'm expecting it to be pretty good because even though it was six feet tall, it was uh, still in the vegetative state. There's still a lot of leaf matter there and it hadn't gone to, uh, it wasn't in the seed, wasn't in the boot yet, or it wasn't, uh, you know, at pre-head emergence. So the quality should be there from what I've read up on it. Now, I won't know until I actually get it out and actually feed it, but just looking at it and seeing that, like, like chew on the stalk or whatever, it's very sweet and feels like there's a lot of sugars that are available in the feed. So just on a you know, anecdotal basis looking at it, I, I expect it's going to be, suspect it's going to be um, a good high quality feed, but I will say like we were chopping it. So that kind of, it's going to take, like it's going to break down a lot of the stocks and make things a lot more available. If you were going to round bale it, I wouldn't let it go that way. Like if I was going to do this next year and I was planning on round baling most of it, like I would take it at maybe three feet high and then you're going to, you're going to have a really high quality feed then. And the nice thing about this, if you take it at that stage, even now, uh, you will get like a second cut off it and you should kind of plan to use it as a two cut system to kind of maximize your tonnage. And that way you've got to get to a similar overall yield tonnage over the course of the year. That'll be, you know, not that far off of corn on that topic too. Like we just, two weeks ago, we had a bit of rain and we walked out and we uh, gave it another hundred pounds of urea just to give it, try to go for another second cut. And it's already come in. It's already about a foot tall of regrowth now. And we're getting some warm weather that seems like it's going to help it come on and hopefully get another, another cut. So you're planning to potentially take another cut in mid to late September? Yeah, ideally. At that time of year, we're going to start to kind of keep a, a keen eye on the forecast to make sure there's no frost coming in. Because if we see like a frost in the forecast, we'll try to go out and cut it before that happens. Because if you get a frost on it, that'll make a, that gives you a high risk of a prussic acid or nitrate poisoning. I think it's nitrate when you get the frost. It sucks up a lot of nitrates. And then you'd have to wait maybe... Um, I think it's like two weeks after a hard killing frost for that to uh, for that to kind of dissipate in the plant. But then if you get a hard killing frost, you're kind of losing a lot of your quality there too. So that's why we'd try to take it before frost could could get it. That's just one of the things you just gotta have to keep an eye on. Sounds like you're gonna use sorghum as uh, part of your overall feeding plan this year. Uh, what what's your plan as far as feeding? Is this probably gonna go to the majority of your backgrounded calves? Um, are you just gonna mix it with your other stored forage? maintain that the coward what's the you know what's the ideal situation to use the sorghum in your, in your herd specifically yeah no that's a good question we're probably gonna probably gonna use it for a lot of our backgrounding stock and and any of the cows that we still have kind of at this location 
like I'm I'm ex- expecting it to be a good feed, and then like if not, like we're just gonna, we'll add we'll add the barley to make up the difference. If it's not, like it's not going to be quite as high as well. I'm not sure if it's going to be the same as corn silage. From what I've read, it says that it can have the same energy as corn silage if you take it at a vegetative enough state. So that's one of those things we're just kind of wait and see, and then once we pull some feed samples, then we'll kind of be able to make make an assessment on what we're going to use it for. Until then, we kind of just will wait and see, and then kind of fit into the program there, but. Ideally, right now, it's primarily going to be used for in the backgrounding ration, but that's what we kind of want to try to use it on. Then we kind of track the gains and see how they actually perform on it because we fed a lot of animals last year. We had corn silage part of the mix last year quite a bit, so we kind of know what they could do on that, and then we'll kind of get an, an assessment of what they can do on this. When you look at using sorghum as a stored feed versus some of your other grass and legume mixes, what's the the cost benefit look like? So what's the cost of planting an acre, establishing an acre uh, versus uh, alfalfa, Timothy, clover mix? Like it's, it's, it's an annual crop. So like you're going to have a lesser probably establishment cost on a yeah. yearly basis than, a, than your perennials, but you're going to get a longer lifetime. Uh, out of your perennials like if you're i used i like to use the analogy of looking at it as um basically as a head-to-head to corn corn is about you know it's got twice the seed cost just for the bag of seed you're going to see this at 50 pounds the acre and corn's like a 32,000 34,000 plant population so the seed this an acre is like about maybe i think 50 dollars an acre to seed it and to seed an acre of corn is about 120 and going up and then Fertilization, if you're just using a top dress, it's similar to corn. You're going to want to use a similar sort of a nitrogen rate because they're a tall growing plant. They've got a big appetite for nitrogen. So that usually works out to be like another 100 bucks an acre in fertility. But corn, you'd have a higher fertility low because you're trying to you're trying to make sure you're putting a lot of energy there for a cob at the end. So you want to have a, a lot of like P and K and nitrogen available for that grain fill where this you don't really have that. And then you kind of just go out with a lighter, you know, top dressing of, you know, you want 50 pens of actual N after that. So it's about like a, another hundred pounds of urea, which works out to be, I think, something like around, you know, that 60 to $70 an acre range as far as every subsequent cut. So from what I've calculated, it's about half the, um, half the cost of corn silage. And right now what I'm trying to determine with the second cut that we get is, are we going to get a similar you know, almost getting as much off of that acreage as we would corn. Cause you know, that's the kind of the, the thing we're trying to struggle with. Like right now off the first cut, it's nowhere near the tonnage of corn, but you're, you're ideally going for a two cut system. If I get, you know, similar yields to on the second cut as I did the first cut, we're pretty close to the, getting the same thing as corn. And then it has, if it has similar feed analysis as corn, because we're taking a little bit younger, then that makes it maybe a lot more appealing just because in the future, then we can, you know, maybe go to a total bale system and still have a high quality feed that's coming into the ration. That's an annual, gives us a crop rotation. It's got, you know, it's, it's got a good root mass and on hilly ground, you don't really have the same erosion concerns that you would with a, with a silage corn because it's got like you're planting it in a grain drill. So it keeps and it makes a big root mass. And those plants are going to be like, if you leave it in the fall, it'll make its own cover crop because it'll just frost out and hold all that ground. Whereas corn, you just kind of have wide rows and there's going to be a lot more chances for erosion if you're on hillier terrain. So that's the kind of the things that we like about sorghum compared to there. Now we just got to see, does it match up in the total yield and total energy for what you're, you know, what you're putting the money inputs into it. Like corn will give you a lot of return on that investment and a lot of good energy, cheap energy per acre. And that's what we're just trying to see if sorghum will kind of 
get close to that and match it for the cheaper cost of putting it in. Taking a, a first cut a little earlier in the three-foot stage, uh, where, I, where I actually saw your fields uh, earlier in July, would that give you an opportunity to then go in and, and plant a second crop either as an enhancement to the, uh, the second cut? Or you know, what about growing some winter wheat once you've taken off that, that second cut as well? Well, I've, I actually I didn't know this until I started growing uh, the sorghum sedan grass. I don't think that would work. Because uh, okay. sorghum, the roots, um, they it's got like an, an, an allelopathic uh, compound that the roots excrete. So it's almost like it'll stunt a plant growth. It's like alfalfa, like you can't plant alfalfa in the same year after you've killed alfalfa because the alfalfa will kill the new alfalfa. Okay. Well, sorghum will kind of do that for other plants. It's almost got like its own natural emitting herbicide that comes out of its roots to kind okay. of use that. It's an allelopathic effect because... I actually just heard this on the Real Ag Radio the other day, and the guy was asking if he killed out a sorghum sedan grass, can he plant winter wheat in? And they said no, because of this alleliopathic effect, we'll just stunt the winter wheat. And it almost takes yep. at least three or four months, I think, for that to kind of dissipate. And the next spring, you'd be able to go in there and seed it. But so I don't think once you start planting sorghum, you should plan to just kind of use the sorghum through that year. Also on that topic of that, like if we don't get enough growth or we think we're not going to get enough growth there, we'll probably just end up turning the cattle in to graze that. So we're still going to get a value out of that instead of trying to, you know, hold it on, trying to just get like another cut. If yeah. we think that, you know, we're trying to get some cooler weather and it doesn't seem like we're getting really that growth that we're going to get, you know, another four feet of height, we'll just turn the cows in and graze it off. Often maritime falls can be quite challenging for a second harvest. So if you're unable to think that you're going to get a good quality second cut, what are the opportunities to graze uh, the sorghum Sudan versus harvesting it for stored forage? Yeah, no, that's really like that's kind of the main what we originally were going to grow for was to graze to graze it as a high value summer annual. But like if the fall is getting kind of, you know, you're not really getting good weather and you don't really you want to still put some cattle on that to get the you know the high quality value on it's it's a it's a really good option to graze and i mean i'm assuming they'll just love it because it's you know it's got big wide leaves and they can just just eat that right down the one thing like depending on how tall it is you might want to like you know look at doing some strip grazing just so that they can't like trample too much of it give them when the access to a little bit so they're just not walking around and laying on certain sections but yeah it's it works really well for grazing that's kind of what we uh Originally, we're going after it for that way, and then we just kind of stumbled into putting it up for stored feed just as a way to, uh, just because, you know, we had all this extra feed and we didn't want it to go to waste. So I, I guess I'm, the moral of the story I'm taking from you, Ryan, is that uh, this, is, this is your first time growing sorghum. You're quite happy with it. Uh, what advice would you give to other cattle farmers, either here in the Maritimes or anyone listening to us from abroad, uh, about integrating sorghum into uh, either part of their crop rotation or including as part of their forage cropping? It's got a real good fit, I think, uh, because the sorghum is um, like you don't really need any specialized equipment. Like if you can seed oats and peas, you can seed sorghum. If you got a, a hay bind, you want to mow it and put it up for store feed, you can. If you want to graze it, it's got a real nice fit, you know, in that this kind of time period where it's, you know, July and you get in, you're getting this real dry spell of weather and pastures are drying up. Instead of trying to overgraze those pastures during this kind of period, you can give them a nice rest, you know, you know, middle of July to right now until September. You could just be letting your perennial pastures rest and then just put cows on this because they can graze it right down to pretty much the stump and it'll start coming back. So it's got a real nice fit on that. 
Ryan, there are lots of opportunities for sorghum and you've outlined those. Uh, what are some of the challenges or, or issues that you see for growing sorghum for cattle feed here in the region? Um, one of the big issues if you're growing it, it, like it's more an issue if you're going to graze it, is that you have to be just cautious of it has a prussic acid poisoning risk. And uh, that risk is usually highest whenever like the plants are very young. So like whenever they're less than two feet, that's usually where that issue would be highest. And then as the plant gets bigger and taller, the risk pretty much is is null. If you're taking it as a stored feed, that risk is almost like eliminated completely because those compounds will break down once it ensiles. So once it's once it's safely stored in a tower, in a, in a tube, or in individual bales, that risk kind of just goes away. Uh, another risk, if you have really, really heavily manured land or really heavily, and then give it like a big kick of nitrogen, you can't have a nitrate poisoning risk, but that's really not as much of an issue as, as the prussic acid poisoning. And all you have to do is basically just kind of Watch on your re-entry into the field, let the plants, you know, if you graze them right down and they restart growing, just pull them out, give them a new section to graze, and then pull them out of that way. And then if you just kind of rotate through the sorghum that you're growing, it's not a problem at all. And uh, yeah, I think that's, th those are kind of the main issues. Um, the other thing is when you're planting it, you want to make sure that you got like a soil temperature of 10 degrees or more. So you're actually almost better off to just leave it till first second week in june whenever you're getting really warm temperatures because it doesn't do well in cold weather at all like it's a warm season grass and it needs warm temperatures to kind of really have the value to grow and you don't really want to seed it and then have it sit in the soil because it will rot other than those few little things it's got a lot of potential i think excellent well unless there's anything else from you i'd really like to thank you for taking your time with us here and uh, we look forward to uh, some potential more conversations and having you on uh, maritime agcast in the future mm, sounds good thanks for having me thanks ryan see ya atlantic stockyards limited has been atlantic canada's major livestock market for over 60 years the stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central canada livestock auctions occur every thursday with cattle sheep goats hogs rabbits and poultry all featured Additional information, such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates, and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com. Here's your market report for the week ended October 2nd, 2020, brought to you by Atlantic Stockyards Limited. In the local hog market, base prices in Nova Scotia were $1.85 per kilogram, up 17 cents from last week. In Ontario, base price was up 17 cents as well from last week to $1.77 per kilogram. In the Quebec market, base price was $1.96, up 16 cents from last week. On the cattle side, fed cattle at Atlantic Beef Products was $2.23, no change from the previous week. In Ontario, live steers sold for $1.35, moving up one cent from last week. And in Quebec, live steers were 84 cents, up two cents from last week. Cull cattle at Atlantic Stockyard sold for 90 cents, a change of plus 11 cents from last week, while real price at Atlantic Beef Products was $1.50, not changing from the prior week. Calls in Ontario averaged 72 cents, up just one cent from the prior week, and 74 cents in Quebec, moving down one cent from the prior week. Good Bob calves between 90 and 120 pounds at Atlantic Stockyard sold for $182, up $36 while calves in Ontario were down one cent to a price of $1.40 per pound. Calves in Quebec were $1.43, flat from the prior week. Base price for lambs at Northumberland Brookside Abattoir is at 
$10.50 per kilogram, and mutton is $5 per kilogram. 50 to 64 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards average 266 per pound at 63 pounds. In Ontario, 50 to 64 pound lambs average 293 per pound at 59 pounds, ranging from 225 to 340. For 65 to 79 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards, they average 266 per pound at 72 pounds, ranging from 262 to 270. In Ontario, 65 to 79 pound lambs average 293 per pound at 72 pounds, ranging from 230 to 325. While ewes at Atlantic Stockyards range from 65 to $275 per head, averaging $203. In Ontario, ewes average $1.88 at 140 pounds and range from $1.45 to $227. In upcoming events, the Nova Scotia cattle producers and sheep producers of Nova Scotia will be offering virtual farm tours throughout October and November. Additionally, the Nova Scotia cattle producers will be offering a shoot side presentation by a local veterinarian discussing vaccine handling and injection techniques. Please check both websites, Nova Scotia cattle and sheep producers, or their Facebook and Twitter pages for updates. The 2021 Maritime Beef Test Station entrance form deadline is October 9th to get those forms back into the office. And their annual meeting will be held on Zoom November 17th, starting at 7 p.m. For more information or the entrance forms, please visit maritimebeefteststation.ca. The 2021 Central Ram Evaluation Intent are due October 16th, 2020. For more information or to complete the producer's survey, please visit the Nova Scotia Sheep Producers website at nssheep.ca. Also, the Sheep Producers Association of Nova Scotia will be holding their annual general meeting on November 21st, starting at 10 a.m. to be at the DeBert Hospitality Centre. Again, check the website for additional details. Starting October 22nd, the Maritime Beef Council will be holding their annual beef conference on Thursday evenings for five consecutive weeks. For information on the conference, please check maritimebeef.ca. Upcoming sale dates at Atlantic Stockyards include feeder sales on October 20th, November 10th, and November 24th. They will also be holding a breeding stock sale on November 7th. For more information, you can visit AtlanticStockyards.com. For our livestock producers, programming available through the Nova Scotia Department of Agriculture, the Cattle Industry Enhancement Program, the Sheep Industry Enhancement Program, and the Wildlife Damage Mitigation Program, which will be closing for application on October 31st, 2020. For information on those programs, please visit novascotia.ca forward slash programs. This concludes another episode of Maritime AgCast. We would like to thank our producer, the Agri-Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl Anderson of archesaudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes.